Hello adventurers! And wow, does it feel like a long time since I've been able to say that. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 25 of the recently renamed Storyverse of Verdigree podcast. My name is Beth Ball, an epic fantasy author and game designer weaving tales of magic and adventure across the high fantasy worlds of Azuria and Eldura. In Season 2 of our podcast, we're traveling through Buried Heroes, Book 1 in the Age of Azuria epic fantasy series, though occasionally I'll share previews of other interconnected stories across the storyverse, or fun lore tidbits. If you enjoy epic fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In today's episode, Yeliath and Marcone finally reach the town of Trudid and attempt to get to the bottom of the mayor's strange behavior as part of their efforts to halt the aggressive logging of the Stormside Forest. I'm so happy to be diving back into Married Heroes with you. If you'd like to find out what happens next before our next episode is released, visit bethballbooks.com shop and pick up your copy of Buried Heroes or find it in paperback, hardcover, or ebook at your favorite bookstore. Let's start our adventure! The town of Trudid was quite small, and its crowded, narrow streets were difficult to navigate amid the townspeople going about midday errands and visits. Elia took in as much of the commerce as she could, delighted with the rare opportunity to see what most would consider to be commonplace interactions. People purchasing candles and soaps, haggling over fresh produce, or ordering horseshoes from the blacksmith. Are you sure this is the right place, lady? What do you mean? We passed the sign on the way in, marking the town. Marcone scowled as a horse clomped past. Not even separate lanes for equine and foot travelers. What were you expecting? Some semblance of civilization, for one. He shook his head at a woman offering glass jar candles and scanned a row of plain wooden buildings. Perhaps a more developed location than that of the Druids. I like the Vagervale wood. It's beautiful, he said quickly. I enjoy it too. But they don't pretend to be a planned town when they're actually... Marcone stopped short when he observed a shopkeeper leaning in a doorway nearby, waiting to hear the truth about his small town. Actually, a quaint and lovely location, Eliath finished for him. She took his elbow and led him down a side street to the left, which, she hoped, would take them toward the center of town. Finally, after a roundabout between a small dry goods store and another business she thought sold parchment but seemed to hold more quills than anything else, they merged into the dusty, bustling town center. Across the square, two stone buildings dominated the vista, standing out from the wood and clay structures of the rest of Trudid. On the left, a swinging black sign with gold type read, The Laughing Giant, beside a picture of a large hand clasping a mug of ale. The nearer side of the square held a post booth and a clothier, with a green wooden sign affixed to the outside simply labeled Cobbler and Tailor. Let's start there, Eliot said. Marcon was hesitant, searching the town square. What are you looking for? What is Linolin like compared to this? She laughed. Much larger, though I'm going to be careful not to get your hopes up about it. Hadvar would suit you much better. The northern nation that you don't like, and which may or may not be at war with your country? Eliath shivered. She tried to keep the conflict in the back of her mind as much as possible, till they had confirmation from a second source. My apologies, lady. He bent to look more closely in her eyes. I didn't mean to worry you. So, first supplies, and then the mare? And some fresh food, she added. I can't eat another dried meal till at least tomorrow. He chuckled. 
Our road provisions are much less delicious than Mara's soups and fresh breads. Their boots crunched on the light gravel as they crossed the square. The dense fabrics on display inside the shop absorbed and muffled the sounds of the town, providing an immediate sense of peace and a welcome break from the sun. Elioth blinked in the interior's dim light and waited for her eyes to adjust as the bell on the door tingled shut behind them. An elderly tailor helped them to find appropriate clothing, boots, and a cloak for Marcone. The new clothes and the repairs to her own armor depleted the store of coins she'd been meticulously saving for two years, but she did her best to mask this concern from Marcone. He had modeled haggling with the tailor, shaking his head before she could accept full price and explaining afterward how to go about negotiating a fair exchange instead. The tailor directed them to the shop of a nearby blacksmith, Sonia. Entering the shop, Yelioth was momentarily startled by her young age, no more than 16 years, but recovered quickly. Looking around at the wares on display, she saw that any soldier in Linolin would have been glad to bear her gear. "'So you're here to see the mayor?' Sonia asked after they had discussed the specifics of a chainmail shirt for Marcone. "'Mighty testy, him.' "'We heard rumors about that. Do you know what he's upset about?' Well, there's a lot of unrest in the town, as I'm sure you've seen, or will discover soon enough. I'd say the chief reason is because his daughter is missing. His daughter? Mara hadn't said anything of the sort when they left. Aye, a few days ago. He said she's kidnapped, but we all know she's run off with a lover. Sonia held one of her ready-made shirts of mail against Marcone's back to see if it might fit. She shook her head and muttered about his broad shoulders. Then why does he believe something else has happened? Marcone asked as she returned it to the pile and searched for another. I think he's embarrassed. She held up another and eyed Marcone from across the room. Sonia shrugged. Doesn't want Sweet Nilsea's reputation to be muddied, though he's the only one who would care. And why is that? Elioth glanced between Marcone and Sonia, not sure if she'd missed something. Well, it's his daughter, isn't it? I'm sure he's had her matched up with some young merchant since she was a few years old, when his wife died, maybe even before. He's got the town guard combing the forest trying to find her. No one else believes she's missing, Marcone asked again, his voice raised slightly. The town's lack of concern for the possibly missing girl was upsetting him. Sonia noticed his distress too and shook her head. She's been drifting place to place, all dreamy-eyed for weeks. She handed him the second shirt to try. Just as likely she's hurt her father's pride as that she's been kidnapped with no sign of a struggle or problem. The hauberk fit Marcone's shoulders perfectly, though it was too wide around the waist. Sonia helped him out of the shirt. I can make some adjustments for you by tomorrow. If you're ever in the market for true custom work, I'll need more time. She jotted down a few measurements and took half the payment for her labor. She added the coins to a pouch beneath the counter and nodded her thanks. Listen, she said. I'm close with a few of the guards in town. They keep us safe, and I do the same for them at a good price. But if you do get through to speak with the mayor, I'd pretend not to know about his daughter. He's not in a spot to handle it well, and it won't predispose him to whatever else you're wanting. The town streets had calmed in the hours they spent placing orders with the tailor, cobbler, and blacksmith to be picked up the next day. Back in the square, the Laughing Giant, the only tavern Marcone had been willing to name as such, had emptied its lunchtime visitors. Through its large glass windows, they could see that only a few patrons remained, two playing cards at a back table and three others scattered along the bar. Marcone opened the heavy wooden door for her and stood in the door frame to observe the townsfolk inside. 
Elioth went to find a table for the two of them opposite the bar, while Marcon approached the young man behind the counter. Sunlight bathed the front half of the tavern. The scuffed wooden floors there were paler than those at the back, and Elioth wanted to rest in the shade. After a day spent in the cool, fresh air of the forest, the dust and sunshine obtruded drained her. She pulled back her bar stool, shoulders drawing up at the screech it made against the uneven wood beneath. Marcone leaned over the bar and spoke with a young man who filled two tankards and a pitcher of water before he handed them over the bar. "'Here you are, my lady,' Marcone said as he laid them on the table. "'Our energetic new friend is very excited to bring you blackberries and a freshly cleaned cup.' "'A new friend already?' she grinned. "'This one's not my fault, but as he's predisposed to the pretty redhead already, why don't you ask him about the mare? With so few proper taverns in this place, he's bound to be a good source of information.' Marcon settled onto his stool and tipped his glass to her. The young man brought over a simple lunch of fruit, bread, and cheese, and a new glass tankard for Marcon. "'Here you fine folks are. Nice to see you this afternoon.' If I may be so bold, what is it that's brought new and... He glanced at Marcone's hands as the rune shifted. Interesting visitors to town. We've heard so much about how lovely Trudet is. Elioth decided to start with flattery this time instead of accusations. About Trudet, that's a surprise. He pulled out the table's third stool and took a seat beside her. Why, yes, do you not find it lovely? She glanced at Marcone to support her before she returned her attention to the bartender. Uh, yes, a truly nice place, Marcone said. Well, that is welcome news. The powers that be will be pleased. They've been trying to increase trade here, as well as visitors. He raised his eyebrows at her, which, if they're much like you, would be welcome to me. He grew bright red as he said this, but didn't look away. I'm Shim, by the way. Marcone turned further away from her, obviously amused by the situation he'd created. A pleasure to meet you, Shem. I'm Elioth, and this is Marcone. Increasing commerce, that would certainly be nice for business. Is this your bar? It seemed unlikely this was the case given his age, but asking was the most polite option available. What would Mama say in this situation? The boy emitted a hoarse, dry laugh in response. Goodness, no, though that would be swell, wouldn't it? I take care of the floor. We're rather slow at the moment. He indicated the three patrons at the bar, one of whom swayed on his wobbly stool. So my boss stepped out to get some things done before the evening crowd arrives. You folks have timed your meal well. Very good luck for us. I'm so curious, though, about this vision for changing the town. Who's behind that idea and moving things forward? Elioth leaned a few inches closer toward the bartender. I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. The mayor, for one, but, he said, lowering his voice. Things have been rather off with him lately. I'm sure you heard about his daughter. We did pick up a rumor or two, Elioth matched his whisper. Well, he's been quite stormy about town. Anybody can see that. Most days he stays locked in his office, though. He used to frequent the pub a few times a week, especially at lunch, but not so much anymore. We heard his daughter had been kidnapped. Is that true? Sonia's account seemed credible, but she also guessed that the blacksmith and Shim moved in different circles. Not sure as I can say. I know the guards are searching for her, have been for a few days. I seen the mayor snap at a few people leaving the market. One poor lady didn't see him. Used to be he would have helped her instead of yelling. That does sound like an extreme shift. Was it equally possible that the girl was missing as that she had run away? His reaction fit either case. 
The wooden door at the back of the tavern swung open, and a wide man with a dense black beard stomped inside with several bags. He looked from the bar to their table. Shim, he barked when he found the boy happily sitting with two patrons while others sat in front of empty mugs. Shim scrambled off his stool. I must go. He dodged one of the other patrons on his way back to the bar. Marcone watched the exchange between the owner and his bartender with a bemused expression on his face. What's so funny? Elioth asked. He turned back to her, shoulders relaxed. Nothing, lady. He was not very subtle, is all. A loud crash sounded from the kitchen as several bowls clattered to the floor. He grinned and shook his head. Well, shall we go and attempt to speak with the mayor? I'd like to have a better idea of his daughter's disappearance. Yes. She hopped off her stool and scooted it carefully beneath the table. I hope what Sonia said is true, that his daughter ran away. As do I, lady. Despite his lightness over lunch, she could tell he was still bothered by the other possibility. Marcone gestured for her to lead the way. The late afternoon sun cast the town square in a beautiful orange glow. A passerby directed them to the building that housed the mayor's office. Do you think we're too late? Marcone asked. The glass windows that faced the square were dark and the door shut. Maybe they're in the back? The front receiving area was narrow, and the mayor and his employees might have remained within the rear portion of the building on slower days. Marcone approached the door and knocked three times with the side of his fist. The sound reverberated across the square. He stepped back beside Elioth and waited. After several moments' pause, slow footsteps heel-toed across the wooden floors, and the door creaked open. A thin, pinch-faced man stood behind the door and examined them, his nose cocked haughtily in the air. Might I help you? From the sound, his voice came directly from his nasal passages. Yes, thank you, Elioth said. We were hoping for an audience with the mayor. I am afraid that is quite impossible. Then might we schedule an appointment with him for tomorrow? He is a very busy man. What is it that's so urgent? Elioth suppressed a sigh of irritation and drew herself up in her best impression of Duchess Dora Mir, a kind but impatient older noblewoman. How can we be sure that the matter concerns you? The man pursed his thin lips even tighter. Very well. He pushed the door open another fraction. Marcone caught the edge and pulled it fully open. The room, lit only by a few small candles, was hardly lighter inside than it looked from outside. The assistant settled himself behind a petite, gilded desk in a high-backed wooden chair. He opened a large tome and flipped through the pages till he arrived at the present date. Though he tried to conceal it with his arm, each day for the next week was entirely blank. Despite this, he slowly traced each column with his forefinger, moving on to the next page after his perusal was complete. "'Might I ask your name, sir? I apologize that we did not inquire it earlier.' Elioth stood behind one of the chairs positioned in front of the lavish desk and waited for him to ask her to be seated. Philip Eustace, first magistrate, and you are? He returned to his perusal of the ledger. Lilith, and this is my associate, Marcone. Lilith, a curious name. She simply smiled. Saying yes means more. The constant refrain of her dim-witted manners tutor popped into her head. I suppose, Philip glanced at her purse, we might be able to squeeze you in tomorrow afternoon. 
These things do take at least a full day to be worked in. He posed his pen over the ledger. Don't respond to his simpering look, Ely told herself. Just hand over some coins. How much would a magister in a small town expect for their bribe? She removed a single gold piece from her purse and placed it on the desk. Philip's sideways smile widened unpleasantly, and he swept the coins off the desk and into a pouch at his side. She'd offered too much. Philip scrawled Lilith and Marco in an angular hand and glanced up at her to see if she would correct the error. She didn't react. Elioth nodded to Philip and Rose, allowing Marcone to hold the door for her. We'll let you get back to work, he said. Marcone shut the door decidedly behind him so they wouldn't have to hear Philip's response. Once they were across the square and had turned out of sight of the narrow stone structure, he stopped. Is that a common occurrence in this time? I will not stand for bribes and cheats. That's not part of my general experience, but perhaps it is for Trudid. Mara did suggest we should expect something along those lines. He continued to scowl. We need to be here tomorrow anyway to pick up our things. Come, let's see if they have a room back at the tavern, and I can send a note to Katarina and Skad and ask about your friend and the war. Marcone glanced back over his shoulder at the mayor's office before he followed Elioth across the square. We could see if we overhear anything else regarding the mayor's daughter and what's going on in Linolin while we're there, he said as he caught up to her. Precisely, she smiled. Aside from her time with the druids, Elioth couldn't think of an evening she'd look forward to more in recent years. The tavern would be full of people looking to relax after a day of work and spend time with their friends and acquaintances. There would be questions about why she and Marcone were traveling through Trudid, but the town was near enough to Linolin and Red's Cross for them to be accustomed to visitors. If they kept cards at the Laughing Giant, or if one of the people in town brought their own, she might be able to play a game of Alouette and teach Marcone, or she could practice the Tarok game Persephone had taught her. She'd lost each round before and meant to improve before playing with her friend again. Laughter leaked out of the warmly lit pub as they approached. She'd write her message to Katerina first, and then go downstairs for the evening. It would be nice to let her friend know that she was all right. She hoped news of her mistransmigration hadn't reached Katerina until the king and court returned from Hadvar, so Katerina wouldn't have been worried about Eliot for very long. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Buried Heroes and the World of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. To stay up to date with the worlds of Azuria and Eldura and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be part of my reading community, The Circle of Story, where we celebrate fantasy, folklore, and adventure. As a member of The Circle, you'll receive a copy of three Circle-exclusive short stories, one of which, Blood Wolf Moon, is a prequel story for Age of Azuria. I'm hoping to share a bonus episode soon on some of the exciting things I have coming up, including Phoenix Rising, Feather and Flame Book 1, and serialized fiction set in Azuria's past, The World of Eldura. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at BethBallAuthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian, or you can email me beth at bethballbooks.com. If you enjoyed our time together today and would like to support the creation of future episodes, join the Story Conclave on Patreon at patreon.com slash groveguardianpress. In our next episode, we'll pick back up with the Elioth and Marcone intruded. Between now and then, happy travels, my friends, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.